Amen. Thank you so much for that, church. It's good to hear you sing again. Good to hear you sing. Would you take your Bibles now and open them to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be looking in verses 1 through chapter 4, verse 17. I've entitled this message, Moving Forward with Vision. Near New Orleans, there is a lake, Lake Pontchartrain, that kind of encircles New Orleans. It's to the east and to the north. And I used to cross a long bridge to get to New Orleans when I attended seminary there. You could stand on one shore and you could not see the land on the other side. That's how big the body of water is. I used to think about how amazing it was. What a feat of engineering to build a bridge to span that body of water. And as I would be driving over, I would just be amazed. Of course, I'd also be thinking, I hope this bridge can stand up against the pressure. But it was amazing to me to think about how someone could build such a bridge across that lake. Before that bridge was ever built, someone had a vision in mind that it needed to be done and how it could be done. Before ever an action is taken, an image must be present in the mind that it can be done and how it can be accomplished. It has been said that a vision is like a bridge that takes us from the present circumstances of life into the future. A church must have a vision before it can accomplish a great work for God. All through the Bible we see that God used people, ordinary people just like us. He gave them a vision to accomplish a great work for God. And they were able to achieve it because God gave them the vision. He provided the resources necessary and the strength and energy to accomplish the work. One such person in the Bible is a man by the name of Moses. What a great leader he was. In this text today, we will see that God communicated a vision to Moses in order to deliver his people out of Egyptian bondage where they had been for over 400 years. Since 1893, First Baptist Douglas has been on mission. Our mission has not changed. Through this time, there have been literally thousands of people whose lives have been impacted by the ministry's of First Baptist Church, not just here locally, but literally around the world. What a blessing that is to think about. Although our mission is the same, our vision from time to time has been reimagined. We've had to refocus. Last week we talked about our mission. Remember, our mission is to love God. Love others and make disciples. Let's, let's say that again. Our, our mission is to love God, love others, and make disciples. Coming out of that mission, though, is our vision. Our vision is to demonstrate the love of God by making disciples in Coffee County and beyond. That is where we're going in the future. That's where God is taking us. 
to demonstrate the love of God by making disciples in Coffee County and beyond. That is the vision that God has given to us as a church. Now, what I want us to do this morning is to look at this passage of Scripture. There are some things that we need to experience if we're going to move forward with vision. There are four things that I want to point out to you this morning from the story of Moses that can be applied to where we are as a church. I want to invite you to write these four things down, give careful attention to them, listen carefully because this is where we're going as a church. Notice, first of all, if you would, in verses 1 through 6 of Exodus chapter 3, if we're going to move forward with vision, we must have an encounter with God. Moses definitely had an encounter with God, did he not? You know what God had to do, first of all? He had to get the attention of Moses. His attention had to be on God. And I would say to you, Our attention must be on God. If we're going to be able to accomplish all the things God has before us, He must first of all manage to get our attention. You say, well, pastor, God has my attention. Well, I'm I'm thankful for that. But He must keep our attention. And He must captivate our attention. Not just on Sundays, but all through the week if we're going to reach the destination God has in store for us. Notice how God gets the attention of Moses. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock on the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold... The bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Now, uh, this would get my attention. To see a bush burning, but without being consumed, it captivated the attention of Moses. Now, you may wonder, well, why is Moses in the desert anyway? I thought he was raised in Egypt. He was. As a matter of fact, he was raised in, in the very palace of Pharaoh. He had the best of education. He had been there for 40 years. Although he was raised as an Egyptian, he knew he was a Hebrew. He loved his people. He knew that they were in bondage. He wanted to see them released. And it troubled him greatly to see them being abused. One day he saw an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew and he rose up in anger and killed the Egyptian. He became afraid and fled to the backside of the desert, a place called Midian. And there he became a shepherd, shepherding sheep for 40 years. When Moses has this encounter with God, he is 80 years old. Now, some of you who are in your 50s, you think, well, my life is almost over. Some of you who are in your 60s and 70s, you think, well, my best days have passed. Friend, if you're 80 or 90 and you're still living, you have a heartbeat, God's not finished with you yet. He's not finished yet. He has other things for you to do. And he's assembled us here as a church to do those things. So Moses is captivated by this burning bush. 
God gets his attention. Then notice the appeal of God, verses 3 and 4. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Notice God makes an appeal to Moses. He speaks to Moses. He has his attention. And now he's readying him to listen to what God has to say. Then notice, if you would, the awe he has of God, verses 5 and 6. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. God is reminding Moses that he's a covenant God, that he had established a covenant with Abraham long ago. He had made a promise to Abraham. And that is that he was going to make from him a great nation. And from this nation, all the nations of the world would be blessed. That's, of course, an allusion to the Messiah that would come to save the world from their sins if they would, by faith, trust him. And with this covenant, he had this covenant people, and he said, I will give you your own land. But the people of God were in Egypt. They were in shackles. They were slaves. How was this promise To come to pass. God is telling him that he has not forgotten his people. And that promise is going to be fulfilled. When Abraham hears this and when Abraham sees this burning bush and hears the sound of God's voice, he's afraid. He stands in awe of this majestic, mighty God. He has a personal encounter with God. And I would say to you, that is of greatest necessity for us. In accomplishing the purpose God has for us as a church, as a people, or as individuals, we must first encounter God. You know, there are many great programs and publications that are designed to help churches accomplish their work. And there are seminars that you can take and Uh, There are books that you can read, and we're grateful for all these things. But as good as these materials are, the most pressing need for the church today is for we as the people of God to have faith in the Lord and experience a fresh encounter with God. We need a fresh experience with Him. Not just something that happened years ago. I'm thankful for what God has done in the past. We should all be thankful. But the question is, what is God doing in your life today? What's happening this week? Let the redeemed the Lord say so. That is, let them speak up about what God is doing in their lives. We need a fresh encounter with God in order to accomplish all the things he has in store for us. So not just do we see that we need an encounter with God, but we need enlightenment by God. Look, if you would, in verse 7, here we see God has pity on his people. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, 
And I've given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I'm aware of their sufferings. God was aware that the people were suffering. He knew about their slavery. He heard their cries for help. He had pity on them. You know, you might be in a situation today where you're struggling and you're, you're really having a hard time. Maybe some difficulty is occurring in your, in your family. Maybe some children are giving you some problems. Maybe they've been a disappointment to you. Perhaps you're having trouble at work or at school, trying to make the grade. Maybe some of you have some struggles with your health. Maybe you have longings that you have not fulfilled in your life. I'm here to say to you that God loves you right where you are in your predicament. The trouble you're facing, the hard times you're encountering. God knows where you are. He cares about where you are. And he can even take those difficulties and bring good things out of them for your benefit. So God has pity on his people. Then we see God's purpose. I love this. Uh, Don't miss verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite and the Termite. No, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding there. Here we see God's purpose is clearly stated. He says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to lead my people out of Egypt into the land of promise. This harkens back to the covenant God made with Abraham. This is God's purpose being revealed to Moses from God. Then notice the plan he's going to use to bring that to pass. We see that in verses 9 and 10. Now, behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh. So that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. God said, here's here's my plan. It involves you. And, And I want you to know this morning that God's plan for First Baptist Church involves you. You, every every one of you. And 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 there are some who who are yet to come back because of the pandemic. And and I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's that's uh that's nearing completion. It won't be long. We're all going to be back together again. But I want you to know whether you're in this building or you're, there are 60 people over presently in the FMC watching this on the big screen. Or some of you are watching at home. Or you'll watch this later. Or you'll listen to this message. God is wanting to use you to accomplish a great work. You know, I, I don't know about you, I feel like you feel the same way, but, but I want my life to, to count. I want my life to make a difference. Life is very short. And there's far more to life than just making a living and occasionally going on vacation or enjoying some type of activity or hobby. Those things are great. But life is far bigger than this. 
And, and God is calling us together at this time, at this place, and He's placed within our hearts this desire, this longing to make a difference. We live in a world that is filled with darkness. And God is calling us to be the light. We're the salt and the light. He wants us to go out into this world and impact our community and impact our world. He wants to use us to accomplish the plan. But not alone. We see God's presence. Look in verse 11 through 17. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. He said, Moses, I want you to remember this day because you're going to pass back by this way again. But the next time you come here, you'll have the people of God with you. They, they will be with you. And you will stop here in this place and you will worship me. And you will remember that it is I who sent you to lead my people out of Egypt. God is telling him that there's a sign that, that he will demonstrate his power in their lives. Then notice if you would in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel. I will say to them, the God of your fathers have, has sent me. To you. Now they may say to me, What is what is his name? What what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Here God uses the terminology I am to identify himself. And, and we see that throughout the scripture. We see it in the New Testament. Jesus uses the terminology I am to refer to himself. The I am statement here means that God is not just the God of yesterday. Nor the God of today. Nor just the God of the future. He is God eternal in power and might. He has no beginning. He has no ending. He has always existed. He always will exist. There has never been a time where God was not. He's the eternal almighty God and he's at work in the world. What a comfort this must have been to Moses to know that God was with him, that no matter how the difficulties would fall before him, he would have the presence of God with him as he was going to go stand before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world who could literally put him to death with a word. It was important that he knew that God was with him. And friends, God is with us. Never think that God is sending us out of this building to do ministry by ourselves. Absolutely not. God is with us. He shall never forsake us. Then notice also as we continue to read here, uh, verse 15, God furthermore said to Moses, "You Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, the, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, 
the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have, has appeared to, to me saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. So I said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite to a land flowing with milk and honey. Once again, he's reminding Moses of his presence that he would be with him throughout the process and that he would never leave him nor forsake him. But then he also reminds him of his great power. Look in verse 18 through 22. They will pay heed to what you say. And you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt and you will say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So now please let us go a three-day journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that he will let you go. I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, and the woman who lives in her house, articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing, and you will put them in your sons, on your sons and daughters. Thus you will plunder the Egyptians." God says, I'm going to de- demonstrate my power through these mighty miracles. We, we call them plagues, ten plagues. And by the way, these plagues, each plague corresponded to one of their filthy idols. They believed that their idol was associated with that particular miracle that was being performed. And so what God did was simply Reveal to the Egyptians and all the watching world, and particularly to the Hebrew people, that he was more powerful than these false gods. And he used these miracles to magnify his glory among the people. And he said, he's not going to want to let you go, but I will, through these miracles, open up the gates that you might leave Egypt. And you will not be leaving empty-handed. They will be so happy to get rid of you that they will be giving you their possessions, their gold and their silver and their clothing. You will leave with all these things in your hands like you have plundered Egypt. And I will demonstrate my power. Friend, we as God's people need to be reminded that when God tells us He's going to do something, and when He shows us the way, He gives us the vision, He will always provide what we need to accomplish it. Uh, Let me say that again. Maybe you didn't hear what I said. I'm saying that when God gives us a great vision, he says, this is what I want you to do. He always comes through. He always delivers. He always provides. God has a great vision for us at First Baptist to impact our community and our world. And he will provide everything we need to do that. And all God's people said, amen, he will do it. So we see God's mighty power. When an architect prepares 
to build a building. First of all, he, he draws out this artistic rendering of what that building is going to look like. And, and then specs are drawn up or, or blueprints. And that is they, they tell the builder everything he needs to know about the construction of that building. Whether it's the plumbing, electricity, where the walls will go, what kind of building supplies that will be needed. The builders are enlightened as to how to construct the building by following the plans. God has given to us a vision for our future. He has also enlightened us about how to capture that vision. And all we have to do is follow him obediently and we will see it come to pass. There's another thing we need. That is we need to be empowered by God. Now here's the problem. We have human limitations. And sometimes we allow those limitations the way we feel about ourselves to impede our progress. Some of you might be thinking, well, how could First Baptist Douglas do anything to impact the world? Sure, we may be able to do a little bit of ministry here locally, but, but how can we really have a major impact on the world? And see, that negative thinking can impede us in accomplishing what God wants us to. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, well who am I? I can't do anything for God. I mean, I'm not that gifted. Maybe you have a very low self-esteem and you feel very limited in what you can do and you feel like you have all, all kinds of flaws and you've made mistakes in your life. Let me tell you, if you feel inadequate, then you're the very person God can use to accomplish his work. Notice how Moses felt. Let's look in verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Now, obviously, Moses is afraid. He's thinking, when I go to stand before my people and say to them, God has sent me to lead you out of Egypt where you have been for over 400 years. Folks, these people were slaves. They were powerless. This was a world-dominant power at the time, Egypt. And, and Moses is thinking, how can I do this? He felt his human limitations. Folks, there's not a Sunday that I stand up that I don't feel my human limitations. I don't know that I've ever tried to do anything for God that I did not feel limited in my human ability. But that's not a bad thing. I think about the Apostle Paul as he's writing to the church at Corinth. And he said, I came to you in weakness. Not with, not with enticing words and eloquent words of men's wisdom, but I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. When we humble ourselves and realize we can't do what God has asked us to do, that's when we can rely upon his power and strength. Yes, we have human limitation, but there's heavenly demonstration when we look to God. Look at verses 2 and following. Now, what the Lord told him, he said, you have a staff in your hand there, Moses. You've been using that staff to, to lead these sheep around through the wilderness here for 40 years. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that staff and throw it on the ground. Well, that's what Moses does. He throws his staff on the ground and it becomes a hissing snake. 
Can you imagine what Moses must have felt like when he saw this? And then God tells him to do something even more difficult. He says, reach out and take that serpent by the tail. He does. He picks up the serpent and it converts back into the staff. Then he said, I want you to take your hand and put it into your cloak. So he did. He says, now pull it out. He pulled it out and it was completely covered with leprosy. A debilitating disease that often led to death. He said, I want you to take that hand and put it back in your cloak. He did. He said, pull it out. He pulled it out and it was pure and white. Cured from leprosy. What was God doing? He was demonstrating his power. He was demonstrating that that it is in himself that Moses would have the provision he needed to accomplish the work. And then he says, if, if they don't listen to these two signs, if they're, if they're not convinced, he said, what I will tell you to do then is to take some water out of the Nile River and pour it out on the ground and it will turn to blood. He was trying to convince Moses that he was very capable of fulfilling the vision that he was putting in the heart of Moses. I heard about a couple one day they were sitting at home and the electricity went out. It was in a storm and the storm passed by. And they sat there hour after hour after hour in the darkness. They didn't realize that the power had been restored hours before. They just not turned the lights on. Once it got dark, they just sat in the dark. At First Baptist, we are not sitting in the darkness. God has all the power we need to accomplish our vision. And he wants to demonstrate that power in puny, limited, ordinary, incapable people just like us. It's in our weaknesses that he is strong. Folks, God has a great vision for our church. A great vision to reach our community and impact our world with the gospel. He will empower us to do that. And then finally, notice, we need to be equipped by God. Continuing now in chapter 4, notice in verses 10 through 13, the physical resources that God provides. Then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past. Nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go and I, even I will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. You know what Moses is saying? Lord, I can't do this. I I can't talk. I stutter. I stammer with my words. I'm afraid, God. Lord, I don't want to go. Send somebody else, but don't send me. 
God is saying, I will provide the physical resources you need to accomplish this because I am God. I made your mouth. But not only physical resources, human resources. Verses 14 and following, then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. Now here we better take caution. God is wanting Moses to do a great work. He's assured him he will provide everything he needs, that he will be successful in this effort. But Moses is resistant. And God becomes angry. His anger burns toward Moses. And he said, is there not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth. And I will teach you what you are to do. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people. And he will be as a mouth for you. And you will be as God to him. That is, I will tell you what to tell him and he, to te- he can tell the people. God is saying to him, I'm not going to take any excuses. I'm, I'm going to use you, Moses. I have selected you to go. And I'm going to use you. I will provide the human resources you need to accomplish the work. Then the spiritual resources will be provided. Look in verse 17. You shall take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. So that staff was a reminder to him of what God had done in performing these miracles before his eyes. So he could be mindful of the fact that God is capable of doing anything. And there he stood with that staff in his hand. He was equipped by God to do the work. And folks, listen to me. God has equipped us to do the work. I think about the future that God has in store for us. And I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you how I'm praying. What I'm praying for. And I'm going to ask you to pray for me in this regard. I I want to see this church accomplish its vision of demonstrating God's love by making disciples in Coffee County and beyond. And I, I want you to join me in praying that that will be so. And my, my prayer is that before the Lord calls me home from being your pastor, that we will see a thousand in Sunday school here each week, First Baptist Church, and at least 1,200 in worship service. I'm praying for our first academy that we'll have 500 in our first academy before God calls me home. And that from these people that God will bring here, that we will be an instrument of his righteousness in Coffee County. That we will be able to demonstrate his power and his presence by the way we live our lives. That we will have strong groups in our church like Sunday school where people come together and study the word of God together. And they grow and they mature in their faith and they hold each other accountable. And they strategize about reaching the lost in the community. And they go out and invite people to come and study the word of God together. And and plead with them and pray for them to come to know Christ as their savior. And their lives are saved. 
They come to know the Lord as his, as their Savior and they become submissive to his will and their lives are changed and their families are impacted and our local community comes to know Christ as Savior. And we send missionaries from this church around the globe to preach the gospel in the continents around this world. And there are pastors and there, there are music ministers and, and youth pastors that come from this church that we send out. And there are mothers that are encouraged as they raise their children there. And there are dads that are lifted up and strengthened to be strong family leaders. And that we begin to see our community change and the attitudes here become more bright and hopeful. And we see that the drug addiction begins to to be lowered and the uh, the mothers who are giving birth to, to babies without being married, that that will change and they will have strong families. And, and the, the people who can't figure out how to, to get a job, they will learn how to, to use the skills and the, and the blessings God has given to them to take care of themselves and their families and that our community would be restored and hope would return here to Coffee County. Why? Because God is at work among His people. You're the people of God. And we have this great vision to demonstrate the love of God in Coffee County and beyond by making disciples. That makes disciples. That's the vision that God has for us. It's a mighty vision. It comes out of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples. You remember last week we talked about the three C's. Celebrate as worshipers, communicate the gospel, connect in community, and contribute to the kingdom. And I have this information, by the way, on this magnetized card. There's some on the front pew here. There's some in the foyer where you came in. Pick some of these up. Put them in a place where you can see them. Read and study these. Pray. Use this as a, as a prayer tool that you can pray before the Lord and ask God to help us accomplish these things. Don't let this just sit somewhere in your house. Really give it consideration. Put one in your Bible and pray over it. God has a great work for us to do. He's equipped us to do it. You and I to accomplish this work. Years ago, a Russian submarine, a mini-sub, was entangled in some fishing line and it, it caused the submarine to sink to a depth of 625 feet and it could not surface. There were sailors in that submarine that could not be freed. Russia called to various nations, including the United States, for help. The nations responded and the United States went over to help bring that submarine to the surface. They were able to rescue rescue those sailors and bring them to safety by using equipment that the Russians did not have. They were able to deliver to safety those in peril. God has all the special equipment that you and I will ever need to accomplish the work we need to do. He's given us a vision, and He's provided everything we need to accomplish it. 
Helen Keller was a woman who was blind, deaf, and she could not speak. Someone once asked her, was being blind the worst thing you think that a person could experience in life? Here's what she said. No, the worst thing a person could experience would be to have sight with no vision. Aren't you glad that God has given us both sight and vision? Our vision is to demonstrate God's love by making disciples in Coffee County and beyond. That's what we have to look forward to. That is our future together. Let us stay unified. Let us stay focused. Let us stay obedient to the Lord and walk this pathway together for His glory. Father, we're grateful that you are moving us forward with vision. We're not stumbling around wondering which way to do and what to do. You have told us. You have shown us. I thank you so much for these people, Lord. I love these folks. These are my people. We are bound together by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. As imperfect and as limited as we are, Lord, we are even more mindful that we need you for every step through this process. Father, I pray that this vision will burn in our hearts. I pray that excitement would fill our lives as we invest ourselves in the kingdom's work. And that we do what you've called us to do for your glory. This we pray humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.